Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Wednesday, February 26, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. And writers, why Tran Bowie? Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. It is HT's birthday, so first of all, I want to wish her a happy birthday. Thanks. I'm now 28, two years closer to 30 in my... <laughs> are, are you doing anything exciting or was it all like the the uh you know lion king this weekend and or last weekend no, no, yeah it was just lion king past weekend i'm gonna bring all my friends over for this coming weekend though to force them to watch the before trilogy though so that's that's my current plan very low-key closer to your demise like i feel like that's a chris outlook on things and not a <laughs> ht outlook on things you know you, you can still think about death and be happy about it <laughs> Okay, uh, let's talk about the news because there's a, a, a bunch of breaking news that happened since the last time we recorded. Uh, first of all, let's, let's talk about the one that broke today, and that is that Steven Spielberg is no longer directing Indiana Jones 5, and it looks like James Mangold might be taking over instead. Chris, what do we know? Uh, yeah, that's really all we know. We know that you know Spielberg uh, was supposed to direct this film. It's It's gone through a few delays due to script issues and now he's no longer directing it um he's he's handing it over to Mang- mangold mangold hasn't been confirmed yet but he's in talks and you know this isn't a case of like you know steven Spielberg being fired or anything like that this is just him wanting to basically step away and, and hand the series over to someone else and uh yeah do, that's the do you think this is like a jurassic park three scenario where he's like uh yeah i'm gonna get out of here i i don't know i don't don't know what's going on with this news i just know i'm not happy about it chris correct me if i'm wrong but i thought you weren't excited for an indiana jones another indiana jones movie in the first place no 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 anytime there's a new steven spielberg movie i'm excited and that's sort of what puts the damper on this um you know this this franchise is so much you know, a Steven Spielberg thing. I can't imagine anyone else directing it. Like it doesn't, you know, I, I know Spielberg has, 
handed his franchises off before or had them <laughs> taken in the case of Jaws, where he didn't really have any say over that. It just happened. And this just feels differently. This feels like it's his series. And it's also, you know, whatever happens to Indy from here, you know, I, I know they'll find a way to keep it going at some point, but I'm pretty sure no matter what happens, this is going to be the end of Harrison Ford's run as the character. And it just feels wrong to have, you know, Harrison Ford do Indiana Jones without Steven Spielberg directing it and have him like go out on that film. Like, and, and like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not one of the people who hates crystal skull. I think it has its moments, but like to have that be the last Steven Spielberg, Indiana Jones movie that feels wrong too. Like I was hoping this was going to be like Indiana Jones five is going to be like the, the proper send off, like the end of the Spielberg Ford era and then they could do with it what they want. And now that's not happening. And, you know, and I don't dislike James Mangold. I think James Mangold is a very good director, but it just, none of this sits right with me. Yeah, no, I was hoping Steven Spielberg would would have like a fire under his butt and want to uh, redeem himself after, you know, the last one and people didn't really receive that as well as the, the previous trilogy. Um, I don't know. It's very curious. Why? Why? Why is he stepping away? Like, I'm guessing Disney wants the film to happen. Harrison Ford is getting older, and I'm guessing Spielberg doesn't think it's to the place where he's happy with it. And he's probably looking at other. You know, he has a bevy of other projects he could be making. So that's what I'm guessing is happening here. Uh, J- Jacob, what, what do you think of this? What do you make of this whole scenario? Man, if, if they had announced that. Indian Jones 6 would like refocus on the younger Indiana Jones with James Mangold directing. I would be uh, wary but optimistic because I think James Mangold is the kind of sturdy, masculine, like old school director that I think an action adventure film like this would benefit from. I, I think that Logan, Ford v. Ferrari are really strong examples of like of an old fashioned studio shooter who tells really good stories in an old fashioned way that still, feel, that still feels right. And the kind of thing that um, he's maybe not, he's not as big as Spielberg, but I do think they share some of that storytelling DNA. But I agree with Chris, the idea of the last Harrison Ford one not being Spielberg feels wrong. Uh, and I, I have a bit of a stomachache over it. Yeah. I don't know why you do another Indiana Jones with Harrison Ford without Spielberg. Like, at this point, why not do what you said? Like, why not recast the role? Maybe have Harrison Ford to, like, do a bookend, kind of like uh, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles <laughs> something like that um i'd be okay with that but i don't really want to see like an old indiana jones story with harrison ford without spielberg yeah if like tomorrow the news broke that harrison ford is out and they're recasting someone younger with mangold i would feel i mean i wouldn't feel a hundred percent better but i would feel (laughs) a little bit better and you know the, the silver lining in this is i feel like spielberg maybe learned his lesson with Colin Trevorrow in that, you know, he's not handing it off to a young up and coming director. Like James Mangold is, is a pretty established director. He has a lot of titles under his name and he's, he's proven himself time and time again. So it's not like Colin Trevorrow, you take over Jurassic and uh, you know, box office wise, it worked out well, but I think a lot of people <laughs> will agree. Those movies are not up to snuff with, you know, what Spielberg did. So I do like, that he's realized, oh, if I have to hand this over to someone else, I'll hand it over to someone 
who knows what they're doing. Yeah. But that's like the only silver lining I can see here. HT, we haven't heard from you. Uh, what do you think Disney should do with the Indiana Jones franchise? Because I, I don't think they can let it die. Like, you know what I mean? They spent all this money for a Lucasfilm. They, it, it's a property that people are going to want to see. So they, they have to do something with it. Like, should it happen with Harrison Ford and James Mangold? I mean, it. Indiana Jones is so synonymous with Steven Spielberg that it seems like, yeah, like everyone's saying, it's a shame that he doesn't return for what will probably be be Harrison Ford's last um, time in the role. And it's just a role, too, that is very synonymous with Harrison Ford. So I don't really know how I feel about another actor taking on um, the the whip, yeah. so to speak. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's Disney, so there's all there's it's going to continue as a franchise, whether we like it or not. It just feels so much like these two people, Spielberg and Harrison Ford, have made this franchise into what it is, and it just won't be the same without them so and i do like uh, james Mangold. i think he is a fantastic director and a really solid um choice for this but uh, yeah i don't know i also don't really like the idea of a young indiana jones either indiana <laughs> jones for me has never really felt like a, a series that you need to franchise it just um it's it, it, in and of itself it feels like it captures a bygone era almost like that buckling yeah. adventure story um so uh it kind of already was like a nostalgic uh, return. So it is, I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of uh, mixed <laughs> on the whole thing. I just don't really like the idea of this without Spielberg or Ford. Well, that's one of the things that worries me about this film as well is like if Harrison Ford is playing his age in this, then this film is going to take place during what, like the 1970s, early 80s, something like that? Am I correct in that? Like, I, I don't think I want to see an Indian. probably that. be there. Yeah, it'd probably be the seventies, which does seem weird. Yeah, I don't like want to groovy indie. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to see him like you know running into hippies and I don't know. Like Indiana Jones was classic because it was of like the the time of the Nazis and stuff like that. I and I feel like it had that serial feel to it. And I do know Spielberg and Lucas did come up with this franchise, and they wasn't it the, the story. You can correct me if I'm wrong here, Chris. I know you probably know more about this, but didn't Steven Spielberg want to do a Bond movie, and he couldn't do a Bond movie, so he came up with the idea of Indiana Jones? Ah, uh, yeah, that's that's more or less sort of the idea yeah. behind it, and and George Lucas had you know a lot to do with it too. Yeah, yeah. So so. I could see you know other filmmakers and other actors taking on the role, but I, I just don't think we need James Mangold directing Harrison Ford, but we'll see if it happens. This is a movie that's been, what, in the works for, I guess, since I've been running the Slash Film. So, so, so I, I'll, I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it, is what I'm going to say. Uh, Here, I, have, I have the perfect solution. They should do this Tintin style, where it's motion capture, and Steven Spielberg can direct that because he already directed Tintin. And that way, doesn't matter how old Harrison Ford is. There you go, Disney. Hit me up. I just I just solved your problems. But by, by the way, do you ever see there was some guy that like a few years ago made a, an animated Indiana Jones and it looked so no, good. The style of it. I'll put it the, the link in the show notes. But I would love a like Disney Plus TV series or movie like animated movie. Like, you know, bring back I Ford for mean, that. Disney that has, yeah. Yeah, Disney has the resources for that. Get Come on, Disney. You got the money. Make it happen. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of Disney, a big shocker hit yesterday as we learned that Bob Iger was 
suddenly stepping down as Disney CEO, and he's going to be replaced by Disney Parks head Bob Chapek. HC, what do we know? Yeah, it's Battle of the Bobs. Well, not exactly. It's um, <laughs> Bob Iger has stepped down as Disney CEO, and the Walt Disney Company has uh, named Bob Chapek, who is known for running Disney Parks, as the next CEO, and he will succeed Iger immediately. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter broke this news, and um, it's kind of unusual because Iger will be stepping down immediately while Iger will be assuming the role of, of um, executive chairman and will lead the board until his contract ends on uh, in 2021. So Chapek is going to be uh, taking on the role. Uh, basically, he already took it on tw- on February 24th, and his contract expires in 2023. Okay, so we know that Bob Iger has been, you know, gearing up to retire for a long time. He d- he did a tell-all book. He did a master class. Uh, I-, I think, honestly, he was supposed to be retired, what, like two years ago? But he stayed on with the company because the company needed him. And, you know, last year had one of the most successful uh, runs in Disney history with, uh, what, $6 billion films? Was it six or seven? I think it was six. Um, And so, you know, he was gearing up to to leave anyways, but it was surprising that it came yesterday. Jacob, is this – am I – Am I like feeling weird? Like, should I feel weird that this is like all of a sudden? Like, like, why not make an like an announcement on an investor call or something? You, you should feel weird. Like, as you said, it's no secret that Iger's wanted to uh, retire for a little while now, at least move on to other things. I mean, he's been one of the most successful CEOs, not just the film industry, but like of any business in you know modern history, in American modern history. Uh, just one success after another. I mean, see what you want about Disney's creative output, which is you know maybe. Uh, mixed even though there's a lot of stuff i love but in terms of like business and growing company uh talking about like, a legendary figure here i'm obviously going to loom large over hollywood financials yeah. for a long time he, he's a master of portfolio management he's the guy that yeah. brought pixar marvel lucasfilm all to the disney fold and like i can't even imagine like i know we it, like it that's recent memory but like i can't even remember disney before that like it just seems like so crazy yeah, it, that yeah as a very brief side note uh the book disney war about uh michael eisner's showdown with his own company in the 90s and early 2000s is fascinating and ends it was published before bob Iger became you know the titan that he is so it ends with bob Iger taking over the company and everybody at disney company going oh god this guy we're, we're doomed so it's actually a really, really <laughs> funny artifact now uh but yeah the news was so sudden that like key members of the disney company did not know about it until it was announced uh deadline had a report that we wrote up uh uh, Kevin Mayer, the head of Disney's direct consumer international branch, guy who ran Disney Plus, was considered a possible replacement for Iger in CEO role, was called away from a meeting at Hulu uh, to uh, learn this news and attend a meeting. Uh, and other members of Disney uh, company also learned at the same time. It's uh, Disney stock took a little tumble, nothing dramatic, but enough that you know the market didn't expect it. And just nobody knows why this sudden change. There's been no reason. Uh, Bob Iger hasn't come out and said, specifically here's why i'm doing this and in an article uh, ben pearson speculates that he wants to shore up the broader ends of the company he wants to be the chairman and like focus on making sure like uh, his legacy is watertight while bob chapek his replacement you know takes care of day-to-day operations so that you know he can sort of make sure the ship's going to sail um from a broader perspective and you know get his retirement and, and step away in 2021 which i think makes sense i mean there are all kinds of rumors like as noted in our article uh, Bob Iger was 
has, has repeatedly said that he does not plan to run for president, but that was a rumor uh, over the past couple of years. Although pre- before that, he said he, he kind of like insinuated he had interest in politics. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I guess on, on the Bob Iger end of things, I'm curious. I can't imagine Bob Iger being satisfied as a retired man. It, it, I, I, he's the kind of guy who if you've read his book or seen interviews with him, he, he, he likes the grind. So I'm very, very curious what is next for him. Yeah, uh, but what, I was going to say on, on his master class, he has like one, one of the first lessons is him walking you through his day. And I, I forget exactly what it was, but like he like wakes up at like 3 a.m. in the morning, goes to the gym, reads scripts while he's like on the treadmill. I, I don't know. It's just like it, it's insane. Like it, I can't imagine him like on a beach relaxing. That's what I do every morning, too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but his replacement, uh, Bob Chapek, uh, our own Josh Spiegel, our, our our Disney expert. He writes a lot of Disney stuff for us. He's like a historian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's written books about Disney and Pixar. He wrote a very useful FAQ for the site that you can read. Uh, it's linked in the show notes. But I want to go over a few details of it. And he wrote an article, the Bob Chapek FAQ, everything you need to know about uh, the new guy running Disney. What you need to know is that he was the former head of Disney Parks. And he's had other jobs at Disney before that. And let me pull up the um, yep. full titles. Yeah, he, and- he was... Uh, I was gonna uh, say, and by the way, in like the theme park communities, he is hated. He is looked at yeah. as a robotic supervillain that is trying to ruin Disney parks in every way he possibly can. So it's yeah, so we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but so Bob Chapek's been at Disney for twenty-seven years. He formerly worked for Heinz in brand and management. He has a degree in microbiology, uh, but he was the top leader at uh, Disney Studios Home Entertainment. And then he was uh, Disney Consumer Products, and lastly, Disney Parks Experiences and uh, Products, meaning, you know, Disney theme parks. Uh, and he was part of uh, a shuffle. I know that there was a, the big story was that uh, Bob Iger would shuffle around his top execs, have him switch jobs to see who could do more things better, to try to figure out who could, who could succeed him. Uh, but Bob Chapek's controversial, as you said, Peter. He was the one who introduced the Disney Vault, the idea that uh, movies, classic movies, will be locked up and not available for years at a time, you know, an idea to... Uh, it's a good idea on paper. It builds, you know, anticipation. People want to rush out and buy the new edition, but it made Disney fans mad at him. It took over parks, and under parks, prices skyrocketed. Hard-ticket events skyrocketed. And even though stuff like Galaxy's Edge were, were built in his watch, Disney theme parks have become so much more expensive and not as well-run. I mean, yeah. park hours have gone down. Employees don't seem to be happy there. It's like there's a lot of a lot of uh, choices that feel like come from a business mind, not creative mind at Disney parks. And Bob Iger, to his credit, you know, is a master businessman, but I feel like he always seemed to be able to know when to get out of the way of the creatives and seemed to nurture that in, in, in ways that generally worked. And Bob Chapek seems to be a bottom line dollar guy. And that has Disney theme park fans who know him directly, very concerned on social media. Uh, and rightfully so, because this feels like a big step down. Uh, do you agree, Peter? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, as a public figurehead that is replacing, you know, Walt Disney, Michael Eisner, and you know Bob Iger, um, you uh, like he doesn't have any charisma. <laughs> he's like a robot. People, many many people call him a robot. Uh, the the decisions he's made, like he's only been involved in the parks for the you know a few years now, so he was not part of like greenlighting like Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, but he was part of. Uh, cutting the budget to that down to the like he removed a ride he cut down like th- originally this was announced to be like this interactive land that would have uh characters all around it and it was kind of like 
when it was launched, it was kind of like a, a shell of what it was supposed to be because of him. And uh, yeah, like you said, he, he's he's good at like squeezing every dollar out of a thing. Uh, at Epcot now, uh, they're kind of doing this renovation of Epcot where he's basically trying to force characters into every part of that park. And he's kind of, I don't know, Disney fans do not like it. He's good for the bottom line. So, I mean, I guess that's good as a company. But I don't think he's a good creative mind, and not that the CEO needs to have a good creative mind. Like you know, he's a person to manage people that have the good creative minds. But I, I, I really think Disney as a company comes from the DNA of having someone up there that has that kind of that mind for it. Am I wrong? Uh, no, not at all. And it should be noted that Iger will still be above uh, Chapek yeah. until the end of twenty twenty one. Uh, JPEG will report to Iger until Iger uh, leaves the chairman position. So for all we know, Iger plans to spend the next year, you know, hammering him into shape and making him into the guy it needs to be. But right now, as somebody, as somebody who enjoys Disney stuff and as somebody who has to write about Disney stuff on a regular basis, uh, I'm very wary about this. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a huge Disney fanatic, as everybody listening to this podcast knows. I, I'm very worried about this. This worries me a bit. Uh, I think... Uh, you know, once he if he has his say, I feel like, you know, already Disney has become a place where we're not getting a lot of original content. I think that's going to we're going to see a lot less of that and we're going to see a lot more of uh, money gouging in di- different areas. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be the uh, the the Ike Perlmutter uh, era of Disney, Peter. Is that what's going to happen here? <sighs> yes, but I don't think Chapek is alt right. Uh crazy so you don't have that side of it but uh yeah that's uh, a plus yeah i don't know i I am very worried about this uh as a fan of disney and this is a i know that we don't usually talk about business stuff on this podcast like at the the executive level but i think this is something that's gonna really affect creative and the movies that we're gonna see maybe not next year but the year after that um so we'll see we'll see i mean Iger is still involved but Jacob, could that just be kind of like a contractual thing? Like, do we know if that's like like a real real thing? I honestly can't tell you. I mean, <laughs> one time I asked a, my father in law, who's worked in business his entire life, to explain to me the difference between a CEO, a chairman, and a president of a company, and he kind of laughed and said, "They're all they're all bullshit. They all mean what you need. Them to, all, they all mean what you need them to mean based on the company." So I have no idea uh, <laughs> what's going on down there because those titles could literally mean anything at any time. Okay. Uh, we have two more stories to get to, and we've gotten long on the first two. Let's talk about Apple and iPhones and movies. I guess, uh, spoiler alert before reading this story, because this could uh, you know, change your view of upcoming movies and TV shows and, and how, you know, uh, I guess you suss out who's a good guy or a bad guy. Uh, but... Chris, uh, Apple has some, like, I guess, some restrictions on how their products can be used in movies and television? Yeah, so uh, Ryan Johnson did a, a scene breakdown of, of, of a scene from Knives Out, and uh, as, as a kind of aside, he revealed that uh, Apple has this rule where, you know, if you're making a movie with a, you know, a bad guy in it or a villain, that, that character cannot have an iPhone, and... He said, "Like that's sort of like a giveaway now. If you're if you're watching a you know a modern day mystery, a, you know a mystery movie where you don't know who the killer is and it, it's set in the present time, 
just pay attention to what phone they're using. If they're using like a Samsung phone, that person is the killer, basically, is what he's saying here. And, you know, the, that makes sense in a way that, you know, Apple doesn't want their their products associated with 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 uh, villains. But it makes me wonder, like, what companies are OK with this? Like, is Samsung like, <laughs> go ahead, let the, let your killer use our phone. We don't care. I, I am very curious about that. It's funny, too. I wonder when this policy came about. I remember the joke back in the first couple seasons of 24, the TV show on Fox, which is what, like 20, 25 years old at this point? Maybe, I don't know, maybe older than that. About 20 years old. It was right right before 9-11, so. Yeah, uh, the joke was that the good guys were all using Apple products and the bad guys were all using PCs. And uh, I, I think in that first season, you actually... If you went back, you could see the the tw- the twists of who was a bad guy by what computer they were, what kind of computer they were using. So I wonder if it was a thing back then, or if that was just a funny creative choice from you know the the producers of and directors of Twenty Four. But uh, I don't know. I'm wondering like how many movies. Are you Chris? Are you worried that this could actually now knowing this knowledge? Are you worried that this could like spoil a reveal in a movie that you're watching? No, because I'll probably forget about it in a week because there's so much stuff that happens these days. Some some new bit of information will push that right out of my head and I'll forget all about it. But I, I no, but in, in all seriousness, I am going to actually probably start paying attention now. It's interesting because I wonder if Ryan Johnson, now that he's let the cat out of a bag, he's going to start taking that into consideration, too, because you know he's making Knives Out 2. And I wonder if he's going to like have to find a way to have none of those characters use a phone because if he, if he does, we're all going to be in on his secret now. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does with that that info. Or the you just have to only have Daniel Craig use the iPhone. Have everybody else use Samsung. Ah, yes. Yeah. Um, okay. One last story for today. This is a TV series named Dawn coming to Amazon from Ava DuVernay and. The second unit director of Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. HT, what do we know? Yeah, so Victoria Mahoney, who made headlines two years ago as the first woman to direct a Star Wars film as second unit director for Rise of Skywalker, is teaming up with Ava DuVernay to develop a Dawn TV series, which is based on the Octavia E. Butler 1987 sci-fi novel about an African-American woman who works with aliens to resurrect a long-dead human race. Uh, so this series uh, will um, yeah, be on Amazon. We don't know much details about it yet, but Victoria Mahoney will be writing the series as well as helming the pilot episode. Hmm. Uh, what, what is Dawn about? Do we know, do we have any details on that, that original? So based on the synopsis from Variety, as well as the uh, synopsis of the book, which was published in 1987, um, it's about a African-American woman who uh, survives a nuclear war uh, that devastates Earth and basically kills all of humanity. Uh, she s- is saved by a um, an alien species that uh, she then teams up with to uh, basically create humans again, create humanity again. And uh, it seems like a really ambitious premise and also one that is that would naturally catch Ava DuVernay's eye because it has a uh, minority female lead as well as um, a really high concept um, sci-fi premise. Uh, so yeah, this seems like something along the lines of what Amazon's looking for in terms of their big budget uh, productions uh, that they're uh, sort of uh, 
developing for the the streaming service. And um, oh, a fun fact about this is that the character is named Lilith, which is interesting because in the Bible, I think uh, the first fallen woman was uh, named Lilith, and that's really interesting. Oh. So yeah, so um, this is uh, something that seems really uh, intriguing. We don't, I don't know much about it yet. I don't know much about the original novel, but. Um, both uh, DuVernay and Mahoney are women of color, and DuVernay has been known for uh, boosting other directors of color who she works with, and um, she has worked with Mahoney before for Queen Sugar. So it seems like a, a really interesting uh, project for Victoria Mahoney to take on. Yeah, uh, w- what has Victoria Mahoney done? I know she made big like headlines when she became the first uh, director of live action Star Wars, which is actually kind of a technicality because it's a second unit director, but it's still it's still fits. Uh, so what what else has she done? Well, she made her feature film debut in 2011 with a film called Yelling to the Sky, and she's also helmed episodes of Grey's Anatomy, American Crime, Claws, Power. You and I am the night. Uh, so it seems like she's worked in TV quite a bit. So this will be, but this will be like kind of her first uh, sort of lead role in a TV series. Cool, very cool. Uh, that that premise excites me uh, quite a bit, and I I'm always more uh, I'm always for more sci-fi on on TV, elevated sci-fi. Uh, okay. I'm hoping for more Octavia Butler adaptations. I mean, her she I think she passed away um, at some point. So she her work has a cap on it, but like. She left behind so many amazing novels and short stories, and I feel like Hollywood has been afraid to adapt them because they all have to deal with race in some way, or uh, it's a component of it, or either it's either ambiguously or not. And I'm very, very excited to see like Butler's work finally getting tackled by by companies because Amazon filmmakers, you know, is, is established as this. This is really, really cool news. Well, now's the time. Uh, but okay, that does it for today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at slashfilm.com. You can find this podcast published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. We may not have a podcast tomorrow. Um, because I'm going to be out on assignment. Uh, and you can please send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Uh, rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you on Friday, maybe? On Friday. We'll see you on Friday.